everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy September and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our September heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence because you are the designer of your journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So to preview our September's edition, please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. By the way, listeners, Amy is our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. As for this morning, Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Hilarious Heroic Human Dog, 101 Tales of Canine Companionship. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. I'm very excited about the release of our new collection of stories about dogs. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Hilarious Heroic Human Dog is a delightful and yet funny read. So I really like it. Congratulations on this release, which happens to be today, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. It is. This Today we are releasing our dog book, and next week on Tuesday we'll be releasing our cat book. We always put them out in pairs pretty close <laughs> together. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's start the conversation by really getting to know something that's very interesting. How popular are stories about dogs for chicken soup? We do really well with our books about dogs and cats, and so mm -hmm. we put out a new pair of these books every year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's something our, our readers really like. We get thousands of submissions for each book about dogs or each book about cats. And so it's hard to pick. In fact, some <laughs> of the stories in this book were leftover stories that I loved from the book that we put out in 2020. And we had so mm -hmm. many great stories for that book that I rolled the excess ones into this book. And then we're rolling the excess ones from that we collected from this one into the next one. We just were always overwhelmed with great stories about dogs because dogs are just so varied in the experiences you could have with them. You know, everything from super funny to, you know, very poignant moments. Mm -hmm. They're they're almost like it's almost like dogs really represent the whole human experience. You know, everything that happens with dogs right. you can relate to as a human being. So, yeah, we do we do great with them, and they're so much fun for us to put together also. I mean, I love putting together our books about dogs, because what's better than reading great dog stories? <laughs> That's wonderful. Please tell us about Chicken Soup's wonderful partnership with American Humane. Oh, this is something that makes us so happy, and it's so gratifying. We use our books about dogs and cats to raise money for American Humane. And American Humane mm -hmm. 
is a really wonderful organization. It's the oldest animal welfare organization in the United States. It was founded in 1877, right? That's wow. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. And all these years they've been committed to ensuring the safety and welfare and well-being of all animals, not just dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. And so they um, they rescue animals from shelters when natural disasters occur and the shelters have to be emptied out and then they'll help to um, reunite the animals with their owners. Mm-hmm. They watch out for the safety of um, animals during natural disasters in general. They watch out for the safety of animals on movie sets. Um, they have a humane certified zoo program. They do a humane certification for agriculture. So they are just always out there serving animals around the world. They're very big into conservation awareness. And um, we just love them at American Humane. And so I think this is our fifth or sixth pair of books about dogs and cats Mm -hmm. where some of the royalties have gone to American Humane. And we also help them out a lot by donating our chicken soup for the soul, dog food, and cat food to their emergency release efforts. So when relief efforts, so when they go out and they, you know, protect animals after a hurricane, we have the food for them. Right. We donate tons of food to them, um, which they can use. And we also donate tons of food to shelters over the course of each year, and that is under the auspices of American Humane. So it's a great partnership. And um, we just love raising funds for them and using our books as those fundraisers. Wonderful. Chicken Soup pretty much champion people, in this case, because we're talking about dogs, to adopt dogs from the shelter. And so having said that, why is adopting a dog from the shelter so rewarding? Well, there are millions of dogs that need to find new homes every year. And the vast majority of those dogs immediately take to their new families and just settle right in as if it was always meant to be. Mm -hmm. And I think the dogs know that they were rescued and they really value their human families as a result. And people just find it incredibly rewarding to do that. And so what we do in our books is we make sure that we feature lots of stories about dogs that were adopted from shelters so that we make it clear to our readers how well that works out. And we also will have dogs that were purchased from reputable breeders because we're trying to encourage people not to go and get dogs that were basically created in these puppy mills, which are so Mm -hmm. cruel to the mothers and to the puppies. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true. That's so true. What makes a perfect match? for a dog and its owner? You know, dogs are so varied, right? They come in every <laughs> size from, you know, 10 pounds to to 110 pounds and greater yeah. than that. And there's just, they have so many different types of personalities and skill sets, and they're just as varied as humans. And people just seem to find their perfect match. Like people say they went to a shelter and they looked at all of them, and then there was just this one dog that stared into their eyes and they knew that was their dog, and that that dog knew that that was its human, and they might have gone looking for a female, fluffy, white little dog, and they came home 
with a gigantic, <laughs> you know, male shepherd. And they said, but that was the perfect dog for me. You know, and then they write stories for us about why that was the perfect dog. They just, the dogs and their owners just seem to find each other. And it's always the perfect match. You know, mm-hmm. I, we just don't, we always hear about how it's the perfect match, even if it wasn't at all what the human was expecting. <laughs> That's interesting. Really, really interesting. Please tell us about the book's beautiful front and back covers. I love it. I think it's just so inviting. That's what we tried to do. Yeah, we tried to make it inviting. We tried to have a lot of different kinds of dog breeds. So um, the front cover has three different kinds of dogs, You know, a big one, a medium one, and a little one, and all different colors. And same with the back cover. Um, we just tried to make it a lot of fun because that's the most important thing about having a dog as part of your family is that it's a lot of fun. And we did put the Weimaraner on because of the fact mm-hmm. that our associate publisher had a Weimaraner who she still misses a lot. <laughs> so that that picture is there to honor Hank. But, wow, we've got four different dogs on the front. And we've got three different breeds of dogs on the back, including a bucket of pugs. Mm-hmm. I happen to love mm-hmm. pugs because we have a pug in our family. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's everything about making these books is a lot of fun, including the cover design. Well, very interesting. That's very very interesting. So, what are covered in the various chapters? So, the first chapter is called "Clever Canines," and <clears throat> it's just about when these dogs exhibit such surprising intelligence that you can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then the second chapter is called "Learning to Love the Dog," and that will provide hope to everybody who has a family member who's a, who's reluctant to get a dog. And the stories in this chapter will prove that even the most reluctant <laughs> dog owner will turn around and, and and love having a dog. So you should keep on trying to convince that family member. And then <laughs> chapter three is called Our Protectors and has amazing stories about dogs, you know, saving the lives of their humans. Mm-hmm. Chapter four is called Life Lessons from the Dog. And so often a dog teaches you perspective and to be grateful and to be forgiving and all of the other things that you know you're supposed to be. <laughs> Chapter five is called My Very Good, Very Bad Dog. And that's about dogs that are mischievous, but we love them anyway. Chapter six is called On the Road because traveling with a dog is something that a lot of us do. Uh, It's a very rewarding experience to go places with the dog, but sometimes it requires some advanced planning. Chapter 7 is called Changed by the Dog, and that's people who have really had epiphanies or have really changed their life path because of having a dog. And then Chapter 8 is called Four-Legged Friends, and that chapter contains stories about dogs becoming friendly with other dogs or with cats or with you know, a fox outside or a skunk or whatever, local <laughs> wildlife. Chapter 9 is called And Dog Makes Family, and it's about, you know, families bonding around their dogs. And Chapter 10 is called Grieving and Recovery, and that's about dogs helping you through grieving for, you know, a human, and it's also about people getting through grieving for a dog, a dog they loved who has now passed on. So those are the chapters. It really covers the whole variety of experiences that you have when you bring a dog into your life. That's true. That's so true. Did you learn something special while putting the book together? I learned 
about how smart dogs are are even more than I realized. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to share a couple of those stories with you today. But, um, yeah, I, the dogs, they can do these surprisingly clever things. I mean, well, we'll discuss the stories. But, and, and, you know, our, <laughs> our listeners today will hear us discuss just how amazingly smart dogs can be. I mean, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't have imagined that this was possible. I think over the years, how human IQs go up, I think dogs' IQs goes up as well. <laughs> you know, I think it's possible, and I've also heard experts saying that dogs are getting better and better at communicating. Yeah, Like yeah, a lot yeah. of people have dogs that almost verbalize. Like they seem to do more than just bark or, or growl or right. whimper, but they they seem to actually make other sounds now that are more communicative. Mm-hmm. And so there are scientists who say, yeah, dogs are actually learning how to communicate better. <laughs> very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to check the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. I'm Johnny Tant, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the Publisher and Editor-in-Chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. She is also our featured expert for the NANA's Wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Amy and I are having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Hilarious Heroic Human Dog, 101 Tales of Canine Companionship. Amy, let's dive into the various stories. I love them. So let's start with Chapter 1, Clever Canines, the story that really like Pastor Penitence by Gwen Cooper. This is such a good example of a dog being really smart. So I don't know if it's bloodhounds that are so smart, but Gwen Cooper always (laughs) has stories about her bloodhounds doing amazing things. So this dog, whose name is Hunter, one day he was over at Gwen's parents' house for the day, and apparently we had one of those very good, very bad dog situations. (laughs) So he ate all the spaghetti out of the colander in the sink when his human grandma wasn't looking. And so Gwen said to Hunter, you really ate grandma's pasta? You know you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) And he kind of went and like slinked off to lie down in disgrace. (laughs) But anyway, then a few days later, Gwen and her husband were heading over to her parents' house for a barbecue. And Gwen was gathering up the hors d'oeuvres that she had made and some fruit and Her husband was playing with Hunter and getting him ready for the car ride. And then he said to Hunter, are you ready to go to Grandma and Grandpa's house? And then he grabbed the leash. Well, Hunter all of a sudden looked like he was on a mission, like he hadn't known where they were going. (laughs) But he had just been told they were going to Grandma's house. He ran back into the kitchen as if he had forgotten something. And he reached up onto the counter and retrieved a box of spaghetti that was sitting there and trotted back to the front door, bringing the spaghetti to Grandma's house because he knew that he had eaten the spaghetti the last time he was there. So he was bringing, (laughs) he had eaten cooked spaghetti. 
right? <laughs> cooked spaghetti. Right. And he brought a box of uncooked spaghetti, and he knew that it was spaghetti, and he knew it was what he had eaten the week before. And when they got to Gwen's parents' house, Hunter, who had had that box of spaghetti in his mouth the entire drive over, jumped out and went up to the front door and dropped the package of spaghetti at Grandma's feet as if he was asking for forgiveness. And now Gwen's family, now whenever anybody fights, if they have a family argument, Mm -hmm. to make things right, they give the person they were arguing with a package of spaghetti. And that's just become like their family tradition, all because of what Hunter did. Isn't that a great story? What a smart dog. I love it. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about where dogs are communicating at a higher level. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was really impressive. I mean, these dogs are so smart. And there was another story in our Clever mm-hmm. Canines chapter. It was by Tanya Sousa. It's called Casper. Mm-hmm. And this was another really smart dog because Tanya went over to visit her friend Susan and she bought a couple of gifts for Susan's dogs. And so she got two identical toys for the dogs, with the only difference being that one was red and one was blue. Mm-hmm. And then she presented the dogs, you know, with their toys. And one dog took hers and went off to another room. And then one of them stayed with uh, Tanya and her friend Susan. And uh, then Susan had Tanya over again months later. And Tanya walked in, and the dog that had stayed with them and had gotten the blue toy looked at Susan, then they looked at Tanya for a little while as if he was really thinking hard. And then he rose and walked slowly to the toy basket in the room, (laughs) and he started rummaging through it with his face, you know, with his nose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a few minutes later, he came over to Tanya, and he was carrying the blue toy that she had given him months earlier, and he dropped it at her feet as if he was saying, like, thank you for this toy. I remember that you were the one who brought it to me. And I thought that was remarkable that he remembered that she gave him that toy and brought it to her months later to show that he knew it was from her. (laughs) Right? That was just incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We get distracted with so many things. However, the dogs need to be in the now, and the dogs remember very well. <laughs> they sure do. I mean, my husband and I, we had wine the other night. It was really good, and we couldn't remember who gave it to us. You know, somebody had brought it as a hostess gift. Yeah. And I was thinking I should be like, you know, that dog that remembered who brought that blue toy months earlier. That's funny. It really is. Do you have a story that you really like in Chapter 2? So Chapter 2, I like because my husband says we can't have a dog because, mm-hmm. well, when it's not COVID, we travel too much. I and mean, right yeah. now we easily right, can have right. a dog. But normally we would travel too much. But I like Chapter 2 because it's about these reluctant dog owners and then, mm-hmm. you know, what happens. So um, we have this story from Karen Zimmerman. It's called Over My Dead Body. And it's about her husband who had this clearly stated policy that they couldn't get a dog unless he was dead. Um, and and he loved dogs, but he just didn't want them to have a dog. He said that they cost too much, they shed too much, they eat too much, they make messes, you have to arrange care for them if you want to travel. 
But he always loved dogs when they were walking around in their neighborhood. He'd, he'd be the first person to go and greet one of the neighbor's dogs. <laughs> well, Karen, before she met Mike, her husband, she had had a total of three different Labrador retrievers, and she loved them. But, you know, married to Mike, no no Labrador retriever, no dog <laughs> of any kind. Although then he started softening, and he said things like, well, if I got a dog, I wouldn't want a small dog. I would get a lab. So that was progress. And then what happened was Karen and Mike decided to move closer to family members, and all of a sudden they would have dog sitters available Mm -hmm. if they were traveling. So that, you know, that checked off one of the items on his list. (laughs) So anyway, when they moved, finally he said yes, and they went to a Labrador Retriever rescue group, and they adopted not one dog but two because – Guess who said, oh, no, we need to? It was her <laughs> husband, Mr. No Dogs. So now they have these two black lab puppies from the same litter, and Karen says her husband loves them. And she says, by the way, he's not dead yet. So it was just really funny because all along it had been over my dead body. And then all of a sudden when he finally relented, he wanted to. That's awesome. That's wonderful. I'm looking at that story in terms of how the dog actually sort of acts as a bridge in a way to bring the family together. I know there's a chapter for that, but it just, to me, it works out very, very well. You're right, because she, Karen and her daughter had already had always loved labs. Mm-hmm. And this was like a part of her life that she couldn't share with her husband and that the whole family couldn't share because he was saying, no, we can't get a dog. So once he said yes, and they got the two Labrador Retriever puppies, then all of a sudden they were back to being a united family, united around their love for their Labrador Retrievers. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. The story that I like in this chapter, which is learning to love the dog, the story is Home Together by Diane Stock, and this is a wonderful story because it's about COVID, basically. Yeah, so this was a good example of a COVID silver lining uh, because uh, Diane Stark um, and her family, they wanted to get a dog, and so they, they finally did. They adopted this scared, hungry dog a few days before Thanksgiving 2019, so a few months before the pandemic hit. And this cute little dog must have had a bad experience with a man in her former life because she was afraid of Diane's husband, Eric, and Diane's college-age son, Jordan. And so during the day when Eric and Jordan were at work and at school, their new little adopted dog, Peyton, ran around the house chasing their other dog But as soon as one of the men came home, this poor little dog would cower under the kitchen table. It was as if she was waiting for someone to hurt her. And um, Diane says that months went by and the situation didn't get better. The dog was happy as could be when the two men were out, but as soon as they came home, she turned back into this scared little creature who hid in corners and under tables. And the two men tried, but they just couldn't get through to her. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic started, and the two men were home all the time. And now the poor little dog didn't have any time off from having these scary men in the house. And Diane says it was heartbreaking to see how fearful she was. 
So the two guys said, we've got to solve this problem. I mean, we're here with her. We can't have this dog be afraid all the time. So they took over feeding her, hoping that she would start to associate them, you know, with kindness and good mm-hmm. things. Um, but she continued to hide under the table. And then a few weeks into them all being home together, there was a breakthrough. She actually sat on Diane's son's feet, and he stayed as still as he could for 30 minutes while she sat on his feet because he didn't want to ruin the moment. Mm-hmm. But then after 30 minutes, he looked at her, and their eyes met, and that scared her, and she dashed away up the stairs again to <laughs> safety. And then the next night, she lay on Diane's husband's feet, and he stayed very still. But once again, the moment he looked at her, she freaked out and dashed up the stairs. And so they continued to take it really slowly with her, realizing how much more stressed she was by having them home all the time. But things got better and better, and that bonding wouldn't have occurred if the pandemic hadn't forced it. And so that was a really interesting story also. You just don't know when you adopt a dog what awful things they've been through in the past, and this sweet little dog was just so afraid of men. But that forced time together definitely accelerated um, Mm -hmm. her recovery. It's a wonderful story, and the reason I chose that story because it reminded me of my dog in Malaysia when I was growing up, Pele. He knew who is the head of household, which is my dad, right? And so he's always afraid of my dad. I've never seen a dog walk sideways. (laughs) 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 And my dad would call him, and he was like, really, I need to go and see you. And my dad would sit on that lazy lounge chair so that he could pat the dog. (laughs) But like everybody else, uh, Pele is running around and doing all kinds of things. And like for me, I mean, he has no respect for me. If he wants to play with me, he'll just go into my room and grab one of my T-shirts and throw it on the floor right in front of me. Like, say, well, what are you going to do now? (laughs) I guess your dad was the the alpha dog. Yeah, it's so funny. And the dog realizes that. He grew up to be a big dog, but he came on board as a puppy. But then he knew who is in charge. <laughs> well, they say when you're training dogs, even if it is hard to do it, it feels like tough love, you're supposed to mm-hmm. you're supposed to make one of the humans the alpha dog in the household. <laughs> so that the dog will obey and follow the household rules and all of that. But I don't think that most people have the discipline to do that. I think it sounds like your right. dad had the discipline to do that. Yeah, I mean, it was really funny. I mean, like, he goes to, Pilly goes to bed at 8 o'clock at night, and he's got his own bed, right? And he doesn't get up till, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) If there's any noise outside, it's like, he's looking at you. Are you going to check that out or what? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. That is so funny. You know what's funny about that is that the next chapter in the book is called Our Protectors. Mm -hmm. It sounds like your dog completely failed in that regard. What story do you like in that chapter? There's a really cool one. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of woo-woo in terms of it being kind of miraculous because in this story, um, Nancy Collins tells us that she heard this awful noise at one in the morning and she realized someone was trying to break in through her back door mm-hmm. and she looked out the window and she realized it was her new neighbor's son. He was 19 and a drug user and 
he appeared to be on drugs. He was wielding this crowbar and trying to get in her back door. I don't know. Maybe he was confused and thought he was trying to get into his own house or something. Um, and so, and she had had some problems with these neighbors too. Like she had mm-hmm. reported their parent, the parents over there, because they weren't sending their third grade and fourth grade sons to school. But anyway, um, she started praying and she said, "God, send an angel, watch over us and deliver us. Hold my hand, guide me, and give me strength." Because she didn't know what she was going to do about this crazy guy trying to break into her house. And then all of a sudden, she saw that the neighbor was lying on the ground. Something was pinning him down. And then she realized it was a huge dog that had jumped on him, was holding him down, growling at him, had its jaws around the kid's throat. Then the dog let go and the kid got up and ran away. Well, she had never seen this dog before, but he turned to her and looked at her. And he just looked so gentle, even though he was huge. Mm-hmm. And so she quietly, like, opened the door and called out to him. And they made friends with each other. And she said, I should have been wary of this big, fierce warrior, but I felt no reservations when I clutched him in a bear hug. And so the dog came in, and the next morning her daughter woke up and said, oh, my gosh, can we keep him? And she said, yes, it's already been decided. We're keeping him. (laughs) And it turned out he was somewhere between seven and nine years old. He weighed 112 pounds. He was a Doberman mix and the Mm -hmm. gentlest giant. And she then heard from a neighbor that this dog had been circling her house and acting as a watchdog for her for months. And she had never known that this stray dog was just quietly guarding her house for months until the day came when he, you know, saved her from this drug crazed mm-hmm. neighbor and then finally came in and they had him for five years after that. And then he died of heart issues, but he was already at the age when a dog of that size would have died anyway, because he was somewhere between right. 12 and 14 years old. So I just thought, what a miraculous story. It is, and I think that's the classic example to whereby dogs can sense danger, those kind of things. Just step up to the plate. It's sometimes you can't really realize that. I mean, I've known that where you can see dogs that just like, uh, and <laughs> they sense something, right? And they know what's right and what's wrong. I guess we give up different kind of senses. That's true. They can tell when somebody's a bad guy or a good guy. Mm-hmm. We sometimes get stories about women who say that the the dog is the one who tells them who they're going to marry when they're going out on dates. <laughs> the dog will pick the, the one who's actually the right guy for them. Yeah, yeah. That brings me to a story in Our Protectors. This is a wonderful story, Lifesaver by Marsha Lee Harris. Oh, um, yeah, that story... Oh, yeah, that's right. This was the woman who had the dog um, who was a diabetes alert dog. Mm-hmm. And it was a black lab golden retriever mix. And um, and so she went to bed one night at 11, and at 2, the dog jumped onto her bed and woke her up by looking, licking at her and pawing her. And she discovered that her insulin pump had failed just eight minutes earlier. And so um, 
she ended up, you know, having her life saved because the dog had alerted her to that. It's a beautiful story because I thought it was like something to whereby the dog knows about stuff like that. And even right now, all over the world, they are training animals for certain things. And of course, this one, it certainly knew there was something wrong. So the next story that I had, Catherine Santich, and it's from Chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this story because this is um, a dog. Well, in this case, Catherine Santichin wasn't ready to lose her mom. Um, and she was really in denial that she was going to lose her mom. And then her mom died. And in the months following her mom's death, she just gave up on happiness. But her mom had given her a dog named Cooper. It was a rescue that her mom had picked Mm -hmm. out at the Humane Society. And this is another example of a dog being so intuitive. So this dog taught Catherine how to enjoy life again, how to get out of bed and see the world. And he taught her how to live in the moment. I mean, this dog would greet each passing dog like it was a long-lost friend. (laughs) And... um, He taught her that delays are merely opportunities to enjoy a bit of unexpected time and failures are not something to be feared. And Catherine says this in her story, I realized that I never knew how to be truly happy. For me, happiness had always been the next promotion or international vacation (laughs) shared on social media through dozens of carefully selected photos. And she realized that every moment of life was worth living and enjoying And so this dog that had been her mother's not only helped her through her grieving process, but actually improved her life anyway because Catherine had been so focused on living only like the most obvious, memorable moments instead of living every moment Mm -hmm. of every day. Right, right. That's a beautiful story, really, really beautiful story. Chapter 5, my very good, very bad dog. Well, guess what? That's what dogs are. <laughs> the story that's really cool is it's titled Male Confetti, and it's by Gwen Cooper. So this is about that bloodhound again, Hunter, <laughs> who was just the coolest dog. And so when they had only had Hunter for three months, they had rescued him when he was about one and a quarter, mm-hmm. um, they finally decided that it was safe to go out and leave him at home because it had been a month since he had destroyed anything at home. <laughs> so so Gwen and her husband went out and did their grocery shopping and actually stopped at the pet store on their way home to get him some new toys and surprises. Well, when they got home and they walked in the front door, they could not believe it because the mail on their coffee table had been shredded into confetti and there were tiny <laughs> pieces of paper scattered all over the living room Also, they had had an online purchase delivered in a cardboard box, and the box had been shredded, including the item that they had actually bought that was inside the box. So they came in, and Hunter was, like, slinking over to them with his head down and his tail down because he knew he had been bad. (laughs) And, you know, Gwen said, buddy, what is this, and pointed to the mess. And then you know what this dog did? He ran over to their Roomba vacuum that was sitting over in the corner, you know, on its charger. <laughs> he took his paw, pushed down on the on switch, and launched the Roomba to clean up the mess that he had made. 
Isn't that incredible? What a smart dog. No, that's a human being reincarnated into a dog. How's that? (laughs) Yeah, really. Exactly. I know. That was amazing. Uh, What's your favorite story in this chapter? So there's this other one um, called Mullins and the Dog Catcher. It's by Ronica Stromberg. Mm -hmm. And she grew up with this German shepherd mix named Mullins, and the dog just couldn't stand being confined or tied up, but their city did have leash laws. And so the problem is that they couldn't get this dog to be to go on a leash. And he would walk the kids to the bus stop at the end of their driveway, and then he would go to meet them at the end of the driveway. And he was never leashed for that because he was fine. He just went to where he was supposed to go to and then you know came back. But he also knew the sound of the dog catcher's vehicle because he knew that he was supposed to be on a leash. So um, one time he'd actually been caught and the family had had to go and claim him from the dog catcher. (laughs) So one day, Veronica's mom looked out the window and saw Mullins the dog running to the basement. And they had hidden him in there in the past from the dog catcher. He actually took his mouth and he like grabbed the door's edge and opened it wide, then scooted inside and then pushed the door closed again behind him. And the dog catcher couldn't legally enter the house, but the dog had seen him. The dog catcher had seen him running in there, but there was nothing he could do because the dog had, you know, locked himself in the house. And so, um, ever ever after that happened. The family always left the basement door slightly ajar for Mullins so that he could run away whenever he heard the dog catcher coming. (laughs) Says, dog not stupid. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) That's really funny. Really, really funny. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. Here's a quick reminder to check the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the Publisher and Editor-in-Chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. She is also our featured expert for the NANA's Wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Amy and I are having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Hilarious Heroic Human Dog, 101 Tales of Canine Companionship. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6 is really cool on the road. This is really, really fun and funny. drive through Dog by C.L. Nemeth. So a lot of people like to take their dogs to do their errands. The dog loves the car ride and loves the routine mm-hmm. and knows they're going to go to certain stores. And so C.L. Namer had a beagle named Lulu, and uh, Lulu loved to go for rides sitting right next to her human mom. And um, I guess they're still doing this. Her, this dog knows exactly <laughs> where they're going on their errand days and knows they're going to go to the coffee shop, drive through. And the coffee shop drive through always has a little puppy cup of cream ready for the dog. And then they're going to go to the bank. And the bank tellers know the dog. And they tuck a dog biscuit into the cash envelope. 
And then <laughs> the dog knows they're going to go to the gas station, but she knows she stays in the car there. And then comes her favorite stop, which is school. Because at the school, when they go to pick up the kids, all the other kids come streaming by the car and, you know, they pet her and scratch her behind her ears. and She <laughs> licks them hello. And so what CL says is that it makes even ordinary days feel so special because she's running around doing all these errands that are so repetitive, but she always has the dog with her. And besides the companionship of the dog, the dog teaches her a valuable lesson about enjoying this routine because the Mm -hmm. dog loves every bit of this routine. And so it shows her human mom that this is not something (laughs) to be endured or, oh, I have to go to the bank again. It's something to be enjoyed every time that it happens. It's a beautiful story. And you're right, because no matter how you feel, the dog is in the moment. And she's looking forward to getting all the attention. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's your favorite story in Chapter 6? Well, I love this one about... um, breaking rules, because I just thought it was kind of interesting. So Tina Rafowitz has this story about going on an airplane and how sometimes you just have to put the dog's welfare first, even if it means Mm -hmm. getting in trouble. So Tina's family was flying to Florida, and their dog is a very anxious dog. And um, he was not doing well in the air, despite having taken a Xanax. He was tucked into his carrier bag under the seat, but he was trying to chew his way out, and he was really unhappy. And Tina's husband, Ivan, suggested that Tina just put the bag in her lap. So he was still in the carrier bag. He just Mm -hmm. wasn't under the seat. So still in the bag, though. I mean, not a very big violation of the rules. But the flight attendant was not happy about this and made Tina put the bag back under the seat and the other passengers nearby protested and say and they said they were fine with her keeping the dog in the bag but just putting the bag on her lap and they all said we would you know they all told Tina and her family like we will testify on your behalf you know like <laughs> it's totally fine with us if you just put the dog in the carrier on your lap well anyway when they landed they found the police waiting for her husband, he got in trouble for this. And he was (laughs) escorted to a holding area where he was questioned until the police decided that he was no threat to anyone and they let him go. (laughs) But now he's on probation for two years at this particular airline. Now (laughs) Tina says on their next flight with their little anxious dog, um, the flight attendant and their fellow passengers all welcomed Gibson and said, please take him out of the carrier bag and hold him in your lap. And so it was just mm-hmm. a very different experience. But, you know, That's sometimes you have to put the dog first. There you go. Very interesting. Well, the flight attendant is a cat lover. What can I say? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 7. This is really cool. Change by the dog. And I think sometimes we talk about this, right, because how animals impact our lives. And I love this chapter, Changed by the Dog. And the story is Cured with Love and Licks by Joanna Epps Hicks. Yeah, so this is really cool. Um, Joanna's son had just been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. And 
he wasn't really participating in sports or social activities with his cla- with his classmates, and he had become a very silent, solemn boy. And so Joanna decided to get him a puppy for his birthday, and that changed everything. The puppy was um, half Dachshund, half Jack Russell Terrier. You know how bouncy Jack Russell Terriers mm-hmm. are. They're just always in motion. And so her her son named him Maximus, and he really started to work his magic on her son. And she would hear her son, who was normally silent, you know, chattering away to the puppy behind his bedroom <laughs> door. And he took on the duties of feeding and caring for the puppy. And then he would go and take the puppy out for walks, and strangers would stop and talk to him. And so that caused her son to start talking to people again. And then he began to make friends at school. And Joanna says that in the past, you know, every day had been one of trepidation, and now every day was filled with joy and laughter instead. Mm -hmm. Her son was absolutely transformed by having this puppy. And today he is a big, popular 16-year-old, lots of friends, (laughs) great grades, getting ready to go off to college. And Joanna says, I don't know what would have become of him if he had never met Maximus. She knows that this puppy just changed everything for her son. And I thought that was so heartwarming. And we hear this all the time about how dogs will take, you know, somebody who's on the autism spectrum and yeah. become, you know, the the friend that the child needs and that the child will talk to all of the time. And it really helps to bring the child out of his or her shell. That's a beautiful story. And Again, this is where I was talking about in terms of somehow that communication barrier is at a different level. For obviously, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not going to say worse, but certainly for the better because there's tremendous amount of communication there. I remember growing up as a child, like I say again with my dog, I mean, you know, you don't know any better, right? You just talk to the dog and the dog connects with you. And like I say again, it, it comes to a point where we became buddies or maybe brothers or whatever you want to call it. There's no barrier there. And so he's picking on me like a brother kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are very intuitive. They really are. They're amazingly intuitive. Um, and they do somehow communicate through their eyes and the different sounds that they make, and they know just what their humans need. And they do such a great job of bonding humans because of their shared mm-hmm. love for the mm-hmm. dog. And in, in Chapter 9, um, we have a great example of that. It's a story mm-hmm. called All Hours, and it's by Victoria Roeder. And she and her husband had created a blended family with their three sons, but they were still having trouble moving from describing things as, you know, hours you know, as yours and mine instead of ours. And they needed to have something that belonged to everybody. Right. So they adopted an adorable husky puppy from the pound. And um, they, they, they wanted this husky puppy, but they had to wait a week for him to be available because, you know, the pound said they had to wait and see if somebody claimed him. Mm-hmm. Well, during mm-hmm. the dog escaped from the pound and was hit by a car, and he had a broken leg. Somebody saw that he, his leg was broken, but he got away. And now he was out there dragging around a broken leg, and nobody knew where he was. So they decided to rescue him if they could find him. 
and they they would take him to the vet and have him put down if he wasn't going to make it make mm-hmm. it but because the pound wasn't going to do anything about it and so they just took it upon themselves to try to save this dog either from you know excruciating pain right putting him down or if he could be put back together they would put him back together and officially adopt him so they found him and the vet amputated his broken back leg and removed a portion of his tail and treated another wound he had gotten when he was hit by the car. And then the dog healed. And he actually needed a few more surgeries, which they paid for, but they lived on 20 acres, and he ran around their 20 acres and played with their other dog. And those medical issues and that puppy's triumphant recovery bonded the Mm. whole family. And Victoria says, Rocky changed our lives. Um, He moved us from a blended family to a family. We worked and played together. In dog words, we became a pack. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was so great. And he was also such a great model of resilience, coming back from the broken leg, the the car accident, the broken leg, the amputation. And yet he's this happy dog. Well, the good news about the dog is that all it received was love. That's what makes a difference. Yeah, and also dogs tend to just not brood on the path. They just move forward mm-hmm. with right. whatever they do have. So they have, you know, three legs instead of four. They move forward with those three <laughs> legs. <laughs> so true, so true. I'm happy to hear that story. Chapter 10, Grieving and Recovery. And this is kind of a, a touchy topic, but it's really important, actually. Very, very important. A gift yeah, I never so, knew I needed yeah, by Faith Griffin-Sims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so Faith Griffin-Sims wrote a great story that really shows us how dogs can help us heal. And so in her case, this was so terrible. Her, 30, her 34-year-old son, Stuart, had died suddenly. And, you know, Faith was just a disaster, yeah. of course. And her son had had this dog that she really didn't like. The dog's name was Custis, and the dog was very destructive, and she had basically banned Custis from her house. And now her son had died suddenly, and she was weeping away, and the dog that she hadn't liked jumped up as if to hug her and kind of wrapped himself around her in this embrace. And she says in her story, little did I know how desperately we needed each other because the dog was grieving so much also. He knew that his human was gone. So she ended up, of course, taking her son's dog because they had to, and this was the dog that had been banned from her house before then. (laughs) Um, And she said, that dog I had banned from my home knew what I needed and when I needed it. When he was near, it felt like a gift. I couldn't hug my son, but I could snuggle with the dog he loved so much. And one of the things that impressed her was how real and raw the dog's grief was, just like hers. So she said that Custis became a significant part of her healing. And she she ends her story, I love this sentence. She says, our mutual love of Stuart stitched our hearts together and to this day, it brings a bit of peace when we both need it most. So, 
yeah, she had that con- continuing connection to her son through his dog, and the dog just knew when she needed him. I mean, she said she would be in a different room of the house and mm-hmm. about to burst into tears, and the dog would come running in because he somehow sensed that she needed him. Right, right. That's amazing. That's really wonderful. And that's one of the reasons why I like that story very, very much. It's a unique sensory thing that the dog has that makes it so much, so very special. Yeah, I, they are so incredibly intuitive. It's true. Um, and that's what people talk about all the time. There's so many great attributes to them. They teach us so much about how to be better humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. What call-out stories are Chicken Soup working on for the future? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we've been making a really big effort to bring new writers into the Chicken Soup for the Soul family and we're finding now that about half the stories in each of our books comes from new writers, new to the Chicken Soup family, sometimes newly published, you know, for the first time mm-hmm. in their lives, mm-hmm. and definitely new to us. So right now we have a bunch of books that we're working on. One of them, the deadline is coming up really soon, and it's a book about angels. And then another one, we're already collecting stories for a new book about cats. Um, We're also collecting stories for a book about gratitude and counting your blessings. And then we're also collecting stories for a book about, you know, wacky, crazy, eccentric (laughs) family members, you know, just, and I don't mean crazy in terms of (laughs) mental illness. I just mean funny crazy. Uh, And then we're also collecting for another book about dogs. And we're collecting for a book about grieving, loss, and healing, and that's going to come out in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're collecting for humorous, a humorous stories book. So we've had a couple of books that have done really well um, with stories that just make us laugh out loud when we're reading them to select <laughs> them. And so we're collecting stories for that again. We're also collecting for a book about kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Kindness Matters. And this would be random acts of kindness, um, kindness performed you know, by strangers, so where mm-hmm. you're the recipient, or even if you are the doer of the kindness, we don't really want people you know, patting themselves on the back for performing a kindness. If the person is the one doing the kindness, we want stories more like, I did this kindness for somebody, and I realized that the biggest beneficiary was myself, you know, because <laughs> of how I felt after I did this thing for the stranger. We're also collecting stories about messages from heaven. Mm -hmm. We're collecting stories about miracles. So you can see we have a lot of new topics that we're collecting on. Um, And some of those books are already on the schedule. Uh, So we have a book called Believe in Angels that's coming out in January. Mm -hmm. Then that Grieving, Loss, and Healing book that I mentioned is coming out in February. Then Kindness Matters is Mm -hmm. coming out in March. And then in April, the humor book is going to be called Too Funny! Exclamation <laughs> point. So those are already on the schedule for 2022. Fantastic. How about this fall? What can we expect from Chicken Soup? So um, right after the dog book, we'll be doing My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat, and you and I are talking about that soon. Mm-hmm. And then after that book... Um, 
we have a reissue of a book that we put out in 2009. We put it out in trade paperback. It's called Devotional Stories for Women. The book did extremely well 11 years ago or 12 years ago, and we've decided to reissue it for Christmas in hardcover in a beautiful you know, gift format. So that's coming out. That will be on the shelves at Walmart um, in mid-October. Mm-hmm. And then... We also have um, the Blessings of Christmas coming out in mid-October. And we always put out a Christmas book each year, so that's this year's Christmas book. We really focused on gratitude and counting your blessings in that book because we thought that with COVID and hurricanes and all the stuff going on, it was good to focus on what we should still be grateful for. And we have a book coming out. Um, November 2nd, we have a book coming out called Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will, and mm-hmm. that's COVID stories and then every other kind of tough time that people face that they manage to you know, prevail over. Wonderful. Those are wonderful titles. What wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning as we wrap up the show? Well, I thought about that because I knew you were going to ask that, and I was thinking about it. <laughs> in the context of what I learned from this new collection of dog stories. Mm-hmm. And I thought the stuff that I pull from these stories really is a recipe for living, like um, the need to use the power of forgiveness because dogs mm-hmm. will, mm-hmm. dogs will get over it, you know, and they will <laughs> forgive you and they'll just forgive and move forward. And another thing that people talk about all the time that they learn from their dogs and it's a great recipe for living is to live in the moment and enjoy the present and you know enjoy that little bit of sunlight that that's warming the floor over there and and, and enjoy the sound of the mail truck passing by and the routine of the day and enjoy that visit to the bank where they give you the dog biscuit <laughs> and just to, to enjoy the moment enjoy all the little things and then another great recipe for living is from the dog book is um, reaching out to others and showing compassion and -hmm. gratitude and friendliness and just making connections because dogs are so good at making connections. Right. And then I think another really good lesson from dogs is the value of sleep and how you really do need to get enough sleep because dogs will sleep and then wake up perky and ready to go. And we could all wake up perky and ready to go if we made sure that we had enough sleep. I like that one. Finally, (laughs) right? Right, because we don't get enough sleep. And then finally, quiet time, time Mm -hmm. between activities. Dogs Mm -hmm. are really good at running around like crazy, doing stuff, and then going off and lying in that little bit of sunlight and just relaxing for a little while and regrouping. And I think that's a really valuable skill that we should all have also. Well, Amy, you just started a new title right there, My Doggy Me Time. (laughs) That's true, because we did that book back in February of 2021 called Making Me Time. Right. And it is really important, and dogs know. Like if you, let's say you go out and you do the errands with the dog, and the dog's been out for three Mm. hours. When the dog gets home, the dog's going to go and lie down, right, and just relax. (laughs) Dogs are really good at making me time, so they are very good role models for us. (laughs) Beautiful. 
That's beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my mama's kitchen talk radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, September 14. Amy will be back to talk about cats. Yes, you heard it right. And we mentioned several times during the show, Amy and I will be discussing and having a wonderful conversation about their latest companion book release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat, 101 Tales of Feline Friendship. By the way, the royalties for this book will also go to American Humane. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. As usual, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Bye. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.